Boomtron. 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 Boomtron, but you're never gonna move on. Netflix OGs get your groove on. We talk about it all, we could be wrong. Kill the better views like a Demogorgon. Boomtron, but you're never gonna move on. Just a few guys talking about the originals. Yo, pick a favorite show, we can put it on. We know it also, nothing's atypical. And welcome to the Boomtron Podcast. This is episode 29, almost hit, getting to 30. I'm Diego, I'm joined by Amy, and once again, we're joined by our bestest of friends, our new guest, permanent guest, it seems like, Mark. Say hello, everyone. Hey. Hello. Uh, so, Amy was slacking. She said she didn't watch anything, so I'm not even going to ask her what she watched. Thanks, thanks for calling me out on that. No, I'm just, I'm just saying, I didn't want to be, hey, what are you watching this week? Did you watch anything else? Did, did you watch anything else? Diego? Amy, I don't want to embarrass you in front of our fans, so I'm not even going to talk about all the shows that I got to watch. So, okay, which is gonna... nothing. Go ahead. Mark, did you watch anything else? Wait a minute. We have fans? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're trying. This is, this is awesome. Uh, so, yeah, um, I watched, I've started in Black Summer Season 2, which okay. I'm super excited about. And then uh, with the kids, we watched Wish Dragon. Um, oh, how was that? Oh, I did watch something. Okay. Oh, no, not a Netflix. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, it just it, it, the whole thing was just so Aladdin. It was just Aladdin from the Orient. But uh, oh, I, but we really? liked it. We liked it. But I just didn't feel like it was super unique. Okay. All right. It's but I'd so watch got, it. All right. So we got two shows that we're going to talk about. Well, two, uh, one show and a movie. So we'll start with the show we everyone watched, Katla. Mm-hmm. So Mark, why don't you uh? Get us going here with what Katla is. So Katla, which I think might be Icelandic for slow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so uh, basically Katla is set in this uh, um, Icelandic town called uh, Vik. And there is a volcano of the name Katla that uh, prior to the show beginning has started erupting. And it's just this, it's been erupting for a year. And it's an ongoing, steady stream of soot and ash falling down all over the town. Uh, And as we begin the show, we start to realize that there's something else coming from that volcanic glacier. And it starts to have an impact on this little, small, mostly evacuated town. But it seems like the few people left in town all have a secret and there's there are strange things going on. It's it's Twin Peaks meets Dante's Inferno. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I love a good volcano movie. I Volcano is one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. What? Um, stop it. I love that movie. Um, with Pierce Brosnan? No, no, that's Dante's Peak. I love Volcano with Tommy Lee Jones. Um, and and Hayes. I do. I love that movie so much. Um, but anyway, so. Let me start by saying, I feel like I watch a lot of these shows and movies from Iceland and Norway and Sweden, and I feel like they're all just so gray. I I don't know, and I don't know if that's the way that they're shot or if that's what these places really look like, and I don't know if it's supposed to make it so that we understand how cold it is. I'm not really sure, but I have a really hard time watching them sometimes because visually... They're just so gray. Like, do you agree with me on that? 
100%. Like even, I would agree. even Ragnarok. And I love Ragnarok, but it's so gray. There's no color anywhere. I agree. And then this show specifically, it was just so, like Mark said, slow. And the town, the characters were just so, like, dry and so slow. Everyone was just so sad the whole time. <laughs> Everyone, like, the town was evacuated. They're like, there were maybe 12 people in the whole town. And then out of those 12, five of them were, like, related. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was just the same scene over and over and over and over. And I just, I, I'll be honest, this was probably one of the worst shows I've ever seen in my life. So here's what I thought. I'm going to be Damon this episode. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now, what, what I thought about the, I, I agree with what you're saying about the, the that sort of tint, that, that hue that all these shows have. I think in this case, it was exacerbated by the fact that there's this soot, this ash yeah, co constantly raining down on everybody. And that sort of adds to the tone of the movie. Because mm -hmm. this supernatural stuff, which we'll get into, is slowly bubbling to the surface, literally and metaphorically. Right. And these are things which I think in our daily lives, if we saw, we would be screaming, holy crap, and running down the street in the opposite direction. Right. This, this ash kind of mutes and covers everything, just like these people have all covered their emotions. And every time they step outside, they come back in in another literal you know, coat of the stuff. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, so I kind of saw that in this case, and I, again, this is not all, I agree with you about all of these other movies from these regions uh, that I've seen, but I think in this case, it actually sort of served at, to set a tone that helped the movie or helped the series yeah. rather. That's true. I just find them hard to, to watch. They, like, they make me tired to watch sometimes. For sure. <laughs> because there's nothing that catches my eye. Like there's nothing that wakes my brain up and so even, even when the supernatural things start happening, um, those things are also dark and gray. And they're, I don't know, I, I guess I didn't realize how much I need the visuals in a movie to help move the story along for me. Um, because, or maybe not the visuals, but like just some color or some something to give me something to look at and pay attention to because otherwise the screen just it just all looks the same and every scene looks the same and there's nothing that differentiates anything from any any other part you know yeah but anyway that's just that's just my own thing but well, why don't we go ahead and get into it i was gonna say let's let's sift through the ash that is oh that is i Katla. see what you did okay. <laughs> oh, all man. right so <laughs> Episode one, uh, called From Under the Glacier, and here's the description. It says, a year after Katla's eruption, the shattered survivors are still grappling with the aftermath. Suddenly, an ash-caked woman appears on the glacier. So, they basically spent a large part of this, again, setting that tone. Uh, you met all the characters. Nobody was particularly happy. Everyone seemed to be struggling with something. Um... Our, our main character, I would say, is, is a young woman named Grima. I'm, I'm going to mm -hmm. butcher these names. So to all mm -hmm. of our Icelandic fans out there, <laughs> please forgive me and send and my apologies to your ancestors. Um, <laughs> but uh, so uh, Grima, you know, she, she wakes up next to her husband uh, and Kjartan. And they, you can already tell. And he looks super emo, by the way. He looks like Robert Smith from The Cure. But mm -hmm. uh, 
they barely speak. She gets up and staggers out of bed. And then you find out that Grima lost her sister uh, up in the mountain, in the glacier, right around the time of the initial eruption. And she's been missing, presumed dead, for a year. Uh, their father is a sad fellow. Mom, apparently, uh, we don't know this just yet. Mom died, but we later find out Mom basically walked into the ocean and committed suicide for reasons we find out about later. Um, the town sheriff is grumpy. His wife has a terminal illness. She doesn't want to leave the town, but the soot and the ash are destroying her lungs. Um, it's just the, the happy vibes, warm feelings all around. Um, am I missing anybody? <laughs> No, I think that's it. That's definitely no, it. Man, everyone's just so sad. Yeah. So, so that's that, it's slow. It's a slow burn. And you know, I, I was joking about that at the beginning. Uh, they're they're introducing the characters. I think you know, I think the actors do a good job with the material, but it's just so slow. I'm like begging for something to happen, um, and you get that payoff, muted as it is at the very end of episode one where uh, this woman, you've, you've seen briefly this kind of figure emerging at the very beginning in a dark cavern covered in this uh, ash. Then at the very end of the episode, uh, this woman is walking towards some of the characters, butt naked and mm-hmm. covered in this ash. She Honestly, I thought the makeup was amazing. She looked almost animatronic and, and super scary because her, she was just covered in this black crust. Yeah, I was going to say, it almost looks like she's covered in dried lava. Yeah, hmm. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, not ash, but, like, it, it looks hard. Like, it, it's it's like a shell, almost, it appears to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? Okay. So, that takes us into... I will say this also. I think as slow as these stories were, uh, the episodes were good in the sense that they gave you a little cliffhanger at the end of every one that made you want to right. see, like, what was happening yeah. at the next one. Yeah, oh, that it, little tidbit. They definitely did, but, again, for me... And maybe this goes with, like, the, the, the ambiance of the episodes. just felt like episode one, episode two, episode three were very similar in the sense of they all kind of ended with, like, a new ash-covered character. Just about, yeah. yeah. So it was just, like, so repetitive in that sense for me. Yeah, yeah. It well, was, and I think I felt like, and again, I, I, we can talk about this when we talk about, you know, some later episodes, but, like, first she comes out. And then in episode two, we, we find out a little bit about her. And then the next episode ends with somebody else. And then the next episode ends with somebody else. And I kept, by the, by the end of episode three, I was like, okay, I see what's happening. But I don't. Because, and again, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I did not finish the series. Um, but I felt like the episode one volcano person was an outlier for what I thought was happening and again maybe something happens later on that explains that um but I'm not sure how it could because I don't know just let's let's keep going I'll I I had a hard time figuring it out like it seemed very obvious to me what was happening very quickly but but there was just one piece of it that didn't seem to fit and that was this first person who Grunhilda right that was her name uh um Grima Gr- no, 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 no. Grunhild, Grunhild. Oh, okay. the first, yeah, yeah, the yeah, first yeah. volcano first, person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, so, uh, okay, so jumping into episode two called uh, Aursa, which that's the name of Grima's missing sister. Uh, but the episode, well, here, the description is, emerging from the shadows, the surprise visitor gets Grima's full attention. As the ground beneath them shifts, Dari and Grunhild heed uh, Katya's call. 
so um, the uh, so Elsa is the sister of Grima. Uh, so you right. hear a little bit about her, but the episode really does sort of focus on this ash-covered survivor again named Grunhild, and uh, the nurse at the hospital where they take her, and she's you know the, the entire hospital is empty. There's boxes stacked everywhere, and like two light bulbs in the whole place. And and to be fair, they do explain that. Like they explain what happened, like that the town's been evacuated because mm-hmm. later when somebody comes to visit, they're like, Well, you can't go in. You have to have a pass. You like we're this town is shut down. We're not letting people in because it's dangerous because this volcano is erupting. So I was glad that they did because until he said that, I I knew that they were living near a volcano, but then I was like, what, are they just stupid? Um, but then, <laughs> like, they kind of explained it then. So I, I, there is a purpose for the, you know, the town being shut down. So keep yeah, going, and, sorry. And and again, it, it gives it kind of this sort of cool, like, haunted house slash apocalyptic feeling because there's just, everything looks destroyed because it's covered in piles of ash and there's just no one, you know, no one to hear you scream. Um <laughs> But uh, so we find out uh, that uh, Grunhild looks very much like someone uh, who about 20 years ago worked at the local inn uh, and has a connection, which we're not quite sure what yet, to uh, Grima's father. Um, She wakes up asking about him. His name is uh, 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 Thor. Um, And when he shows up, he looks at her like he's seen a ghost and he beats a hasty retreat out of the hospital. Uh, she looks, basically, she looks in love with him. I mean, which, you know, so not a lot right. of spoiler there. Clearly, they've had some kind of a past. Uh, and then, I'm trying to remember what else we learned from that episode. If there's, well, so, I, I think it's in this episode that they call. Doesn't the sheriff make a phone call? Yes, so the sheriff, okay. basically, uh, he, he, goes to the, he goes to the hotel owner. And asks if she ever knew someone you know, named Gunhild because Gunhild is in the hospital saying, I, "I'm staying at the hotel. I work there." And the hotel owner is like, "Well, there was someone here when my mother ran the hotel 20 years ago." And she goes through some records and finds photos of this woman. Lo and behold, looks just like an exact replica of this woman that's in the hospital now. So they decide to make a call to where she originally lived prior to coming to the hospital. And a young man, about 20 years old, answers the phone and says, yes, she's my mother. And they're going, well, do you know where is she? Where is she? And he's like, well, she's walking the dog. And then in walks Gunhild, you know, 20 years older, you know, all, all well put together and nicely dressed and walking the family dog. So we know that there are two Gunhilds. We just don't know exactly why. And, you know, because I'll tell you, up to that moment, I felt certain that that but Thor must have murdered her up on the mountain and that something resurrected her and she came back down and that that was going to be kind of where the story was going. But lo and behold, not the case and, and the mystery continues. Okay. So, All right. I don't know. Any, anything else about this episode stand out for y'all? Or I'm, I may be missing some of the character development because it all bled together. <laughs> yeah. You know, I... So that was the thing. So when... When first she came back, I started thinking to myself, or when, you know, she came up and she said, I'm this person, and oh, she lived here 20 years ago. My first thought was, oh, okay, I see what's happening here. So the, you know, these people who have died are being resurrected. And then, and that's immediately where my where my brain went. But then they show 
adult Grunhild. And I was like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. She's alive. So that's the thing. That's the piece that kind of kept me going with it for a little bit. Because I was like, it just, I guess I don't it have had, it figured out. It had a very, and I said this to you off air, was it had a very pet cemetery. Because at one point, the dad, Thor, mm. was buried. Like, he buried that um, that raven. Yeah. Yes. And then the raven came back to life. So, like, is this pet cemetery? And right. then, and then you see like the doppelgangers, and it reminded me of that show we watched a couple months ago, Curon. Yes. Where like the people were coming from under the lake, but they were like bad mm-hmm. people. So I'm like, so are these people bad? Are they good? Like, are they just they just want an extra another chance at life? Like, what's going on here? So I, that that's kind of the feel I got for it. But yeah, yeah it was and- an interesting premise, like to try to figure out like how how now there's two of them. How are there two of them? And. Yeah. And Thor, the father, when he buried that crow, made a point of looking at it, and it had one single white feather. So that's their way of telling us, the viewer, hey, this crow is unique, or raven, whatever right. it was. So right. when this live raven shows up on a nearby pile of ash the next day, and he sees the white feather on its wing, and then he digs up the still-present dead body of the raven right. he buried, he does not seem freaked out. Again, this is where I'd run down the street screaming, holy crap, everyone come look right. at this. <laughs> and he just kind of went back inside and had a coffee. Yeah, um, so that was the thing too. Like the dad almost seemed like, I don't know, not a bad guy per se, but like he seemed to clearly know what was going on. And I, yeah. I didn't understand why he wouldn't be telling like, I don't know. He seemed like he was in the know, mm-hmm. and and he didn't seem surprised by anything that happened. Um, mm-hmm. Even when we get to the end of this episode, and our next person, our next volcano person, shows up, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is a tough one. Well, Keep I, going. You know, you make a good point, though, that obviously with lots of these shows, you could solve problems very quickly and, of course, I guess have a less interesting show if someone would sit in a room and have a conversation. But instead, people get right. up and leave. This show had This show had an extra supersized helping heaping of that behavior, and it drove me nuts. Right. You know, exactly. Of, exactly. Just, just say it. Say it out loud, you know, and, right. and they'd walk away. But, okay, so... Uh, and then is it, I'm trying to remember, is, is it at the end of this episode when Elsa appears? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. So, so yeah, so um, uh, Grima is up at a, there's some sort of like a, a storage shed, like where there's a generator for the town, and she sees some movement in the shed, and she opens the door, and there's another ash-covered, crusty person. Lo and behold, <laughs> it is her long-missing sister, Elsa. And so that's how the episode ends. Right, exactly. That brings us to episode three, The Mother. The cold, cruel reality of life in Vik comes home to Grima. Dari studies his strange discovery in secret, and Gunhild confronts the newcomer. Mm -hmm. So um, I forgot to mention that that Dari is a, a geologist, and he's been up there studying the volcanic remains. And just again, because no one's happy in Vik, uh, um, Dari had a son who, when he was eight years old, died. And we find out later on he uh, felt he ran in front of a car and was hit by a car and died. Um, right. So that's what makes him so happy and so much fun. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, in this episode, basically, uh, um, Asa, we, we see her. This uh, Grima starts talking to her. And, you know, for all points and purposes, 
she's she's passing all the tests. This does seem to be her. Um, and then uh, Dari, of course, is uh, is it, wait, is this the episode? I should have taken better notes. Is this the episode then when the when his son shows See, up? That's, and, and that's at the end of this saying. episode. Okay, and that's right. kind of what I'm saying that each episode is more like there's no real progression of the story. Yeah, until, because every episode is. Alright, this person comes back and it's someone that has been missing or has <laughs> died or whatever it is. And then they come back and they're like, what the F? Why is this person right. here? And then uh, they're like, they clean them off. They welcome them into the family. Like nothing's um, like it's all good. And it's really not until and I, I, I can't remember which episode it is myself until Grima herself comes back. Yeah. What? Because she, <laughs> yeah, because Grima herself, she's not dead. She's right. not missing. Right. So she's the Same fir- with Grunhilde. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and- so, so kind of like that's kind of where I was like, all right, let's let's see where this is going because they're the only. I think what was really unique was that the the, the doppelganger Grima came and like they were having conversations, like they were trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Oh really? Yeah. Well, yeah. so. Prior to that, Grunhild, the the older, long, you know, the one that's not been missing, she, after hearing her doppelganger's voice on the phone in Vik, she hops a plane and in a ferry, and she gets up to town, and she confronts her younger self. Uh, we find out that her younger self is pregnant; it's Thor's baby, uh, and other than kind of a marked hostility between the two, they don't sit down and they're like, because she, the older Grunhild doesn't believe that this younger one is her. And so they have, which, you know, I can understand that. Um, right. But again, so we don't get a lot of story about what's going on from the two of them talking the way I felt like we do later on when when second Grima shows up. So so maybe fa- let's fast track it a little bit. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like we're just going to say the same. Like every episode is going to be us finding out about the new person that's come back to life. And then at the end of the episode, so, somebody else comes back. Yeah. So why don't we go right into then, like, what, what, why they're coming back? Yeah. Talk to me about that. And that's around episode, I think, six or seven. Yeah. So there's, there's only there's only eight episodes. Right. Right. Uh, so and and jump in if I'm missing anything, but this is kind of how I was piecing it together. So uh, at one point, Grima says that she feels like these duplicates or these missing people are coming back to help people realize something about themselves give them closure help them to move forward or, or learn something mm-hmm. uh and each of these characters uh either one-on-one or, or like in a little family unit do seem to reach some conclusions uh um like for example the geologist uh he realizes that he blames the death of his son for the dis- the dissolution of his marriage and the son's mother has come back when she finds out that her little boy has shown up alive and in the process of them dealing with their son, which is really intense, um, they find a connection and a love for one another, and he's able to realize that that is, in fact, you know what what the son was there for. He also makes the comment that all of these people coming back, the only like they know all these intimate stories and secrets and histories, but they only know what the person they're talking to remembers about them. So, oh. so of course, you know you can't prove. You know, you don't know what you don't know, so you can't prove that this is wrong. Uh, 
But when they ask all these people about what they were doing at these points in their lives, they have answers because they were with that person and -and so-and-so happened. That's interesting. Yeah. What the geologist finds out, and again, this is, I guess, the the big spoiler for... I was really worried they weren't going to tell us at all about why this was happening. (laughs) I I was going to be so pissed. So he goes into this cavern that we've seen a few times now where these crusty people crawl out and he takes a few samples and he analyzes the samples and they do all kinds of weird and crazy things in their little petri dish but he also realizes it's not like anything he's ever seen on earth and so he basically concludes that a meteor had struck below where this great glacier has now formed which has become a volcano and that every few every few centuries the volcano erupts it pulls some of this meteoric char and ash from it and that comes out and commingles with the, the lava and ash of the volcano, and it creates these creatures. So they're basically aliens. But because this happens every few hundred years that the, that the volcano erupts, the stories sort of become woven into folklore, and then people stop believing it really happened, and they have these stories. They keep referring to the creatures, to the people, as changelings. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So, you know, that was an interesting twist on it all. Yeah. I, I think, like, when... So let me talk about a couple of the things that drove me nuts about the show. Okay. You know, I mentioned just the whole, you know, say something out loud, don't just walk away. Mm-hmm. Grima, her double shows up, and her double has this whole love for life that Grima has lost because of all that she's gone through. Uh, and the double sort of ultimately winds up seducing the husband and redecorating the house and all these things that make Grima kind of realize I needed to get over these things and move on in life. But right when the double shows up, before the husband's home, she gets called away for an original Grima, gets called away for an emergency. She picks up the phone. She calls her husband not once, but twice and gets his voicemail and hangs up. And then she pulls out a piece of paper and writes a note that says, this is not me. I'll explain when I get home and leaves. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, leave a voicemail. You got 180 seconds to explain the world to this guy and you write this thing, you know. So that drove me nuts. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the end, uh, with Grima and her double, they sort of she sort of realizes that you know she needs to improve her life, improve her outlook on life, and live. And they decide to settle things with a game of Russian roulette between the two of them. What? Yeah. Okay. And All both right. of and both of the Grimas are you can tell that they're decent likable lovable people you've been rooting for one the whole series the whole series then this other one comes along and she's a big ray of sunshine compared to the first one i'm Mm -hmm. like move to new york sweetie like right (laughs) have a life you know do rock paper scissors and hop a plane out of there um so i don't quite understand the the gravity of it felt sort of forced like they were really trying to hang some real heavy uh, tone to the resolution of her storyline that they just didn't need to do so who dies uh, so, um, second, and Diego, tell me, they, they kind of, they show them taking turns going back and forth, but they kind of leave it open to interpretation. I got the impression that second Grima dies and first Grima becomes a happier person. But, I got the, the same impression because okay. I'm pretty sure there's only six chambers in that uh, revolver that he had. Right. And I'm pretty sure I heard five clicks and the first Grima, the original Grima started. Yeah. And they went all the way to the sixth click. Yeah, and, and just for fun, Amy, uh, before the Russian roulette started, uh, uh, 
original Grima took her hair out of a ponytail, so she had the same hairdo as second Grima, and then they both took off their tacky sweaters, so they were in tank tops. I'm like, thanks. So, they, <laughs> so that you wouldn't know who it was? Yeah, yeah I guess. They, so they look bizarre. like literal mirror images of each other sitting on the sofa. Okay, um, well, this is going to shock you all, but <laughs> I'm giving Katla a thumbs down. I don't think I've ever given anything a thumbs down. Uh, except for the wrong oh. Missy. What about that one show <laughs> you recommended? Um, that one movie. I think I liked it. Did, oh, no, I didn't like it. Yeah, I don't remember what that was. But, okay, so maybe this is like this third thing that I've given a thumbs down. But <laughs> I just, again, I, and yes, I was really busy. And that's kind of why I, I just didn't have time to get through the whole thing. But I I feel like, if it had grabbed my attention, I would have found a way. And I just, I just couldn't watch it. And I was interested. Like, I wanted to know what was happening. Yeah. But it just didn't grab me. And I just kind of didn't, after, like, the third one, I'm like, okay. So the volcano's spitting out people that have died at some point. I still didn't understand at, how, like, with the, the whole Grima thing. And even at the end, even at the end, like the last episode, you see like multiple more volcano people coming back. Like an invasion. Yeah. And it's just like, all right. Like, I I had no feelings towards it. I wasn't like, oh, man, that's crazy. Or it was just like, man, they're probably just going to be sad in this town. (laughs) This town's terrible. I don't know why people But like, who are these people coming back now if nobody else lives there? I don't know. So are like the I, people I, who used to live there? Double yeah, I, what are you gonna down. do with those people? And all you see are shadows, so you don't know. That's like yeah. the big that's the big serious cliffhanger. Gotcha. Yeah. Double 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 thumbs down for me. Yeah. I, I will say this. If an alien invasion if if Vic is the starting point for an alien invasion, we're gonna be fine. Because they're gonna go to Vic and be like, This place sucks and they're gonna hop on their <laughs> meteor and go to the next <laughs> So yeah, I'm fingers I'm a crossed. Thumbs. I'm, All right, I'm a thumbs so down let's, on this too. Let's let's get All into right. something that uh, a way a completely different tone, and that's Fatherhood, yeah. the movie with Kevin Hart. I loved this movie, but I had so many feelings about this movie. I so did. Many feel- I had so many feelings about this movie. Well, why don't you give us the premise of tell, what the movie is? Tell us so more. So, Fatherhood Amy. is Kevin Hart. His he's got this lovely, lovely woman and. Um, they're having a baby and they go to the hospital and she has the baby and it's a girl and they're both so happy and you know I I knew what the movie was about so she's giving birth and there's just these like you know your your liquids are low and this is that and I was like oh my god she's gonna die in childbirth this is awful and then she has the baby and she's fine and they're they're talking and they're laughing, whatever. And I was like, oh, wait, maybe I misunderstood what this movie was about. And I'm I'm getting real comfortable all of a sudden. I was like, hmm, maybe, you know, I don't know what this is about. And they're like, hey, let's go down to the nursery and see the baby. So they go to get the wife out of the, the hospital bed and put her in the wheelchair. And boom, next thing you know, she's dead. And so Kevin Hart um, is just devastated. And he's got to now take care of this baby his and baby. No one thinks he can, and no one, thinks, and he can no do one it. thinks he can do it. And so this is where my feelings began in this movie because I, I mean, I was obviously sad that she died. Um, but I was so angry with everybody in his life because, like, 
who has this man surrounded himself with where instead of encouraging him and saying like, you got this, I will help you. You got this. You can do this. This is your child. Instead, they're like, you can't do this. You Leave can't raise this me. baby. <laughs> Leave the baby with me. Like I, I was so angry throughout so much of this movie because everybody was a jerk to him. Everybody, like his boss, his mother-in-law, his friends, everybody. And I just, and I also have a big issue with this idea of, and I don't think they perpetuated this idea because, uh, because of the way that the movie winds up working out, but this idea that moms are the real parents and dads are just there on the set. Like, it's like when... Like when, if, if I'm going out and people would be like, oh, is your husband going to babysit? And I'm like, no, he's going to parent. Like he doesn't babysit the kids. They're his kids. <laughs> like, like that, that, that drives me crazy because I, there is this societal feeling that the, the real parent is the mom. Mom is the default parent, right? She's the one who does everything as if. Dads aren't just as capable of doing everything that a child needs. And it, I, I don't know, it made me so angry throughout because here's this man and he's trying and he's devastated too. Like he's also dealing with his own loss, right? And, and just thinking about how hard that must have been. Like, you know, you have to raise this child who babies need so much and you don't ever have a second to pause and just be you know mourn your own loss i don't know i was just i was really angry throughout a lot of this movie because he was really trying i don't know what what were your thoughts uh yeah it was um i was a little i'm not mad or angry but just like i just i just felt like the the mother-in-law especially was just very harsh on him Right. Very hard on him uh, about his inability to take care of the this child, and I, I don't know if it was because of his work schedule or. And I, I kind of enjoyed his relationship with his boss. I thought that mm-hmm. was a a consistently funny part of the movie. Uh, and Paul Reiser, like, what a cool random yeah, role yes. for him. Yeah, Seriously. I couldn't. Even, I I knew he looked familiar. I had to look up the name. I was like, where I know this guy from somewhere, and I couldn't. I couldn't remember the name. But I enjoyed that. I enjoyed, you know, it wasn't, it had like funny parts and, you know, traditional Kevin Hart kind of way. But it was also kind of like, there were like a lot of serious parts to it. And I I enjoyed, I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was cute. It was a cute movie. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. So I haven't seen like the last 20 minutes of the movie. I was trying to get it all in before tonight, but um, I, I... 10 minutes into the movie, like I was crying. I had to go pause and kiss my children. Like it, it was, it was, <laughs> it was rough. Um, right. They, and you know, a few times they dumbed his character down a little bit just for the sake of comedy. Like when mm-hmm. he, the baby's crying a lot, someone tells him it's colic and he goes, Oh, I gave the baby colic. I gave colic to the baby. Um, right. I don't wash my I'm, hands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So that was funny. But then I'm like, you know, Google, <laughs> I mean, like, right. like read a book. <laughs> right. Um, right. But that notwithstanding, as as someone who has, you know, thankfully with a partner, but has raised two children without a mom, there is a lot to learn. And there's, you know, and, and I appreciate Amy, 
your position because we got a lot of that too. And right. uh, and it, <laughs> that montage where everyone's like, where's mom today? And right. he finally was like, she's doing jail time in San Quentin. Like, right. you know, we've had a few of those. And of course, you know, we've been mistaken for grandfathers too, which is super uplifting. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I love the movie. It, it's, you know, again, not having seen the ending yet, but it, it has touched me in a lot of different ways, uh, both yeah. sentimental and funny. Well, and that was the other piece too, is that a lot of the 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 kickback there was that it was a girl and this idea that a man can't raise a daughter without a woman without a female figure um and you know i think a lot about my my husband's mother passed away when he was a kid and his father raised four kids on his own one of which was a girl and did a phenomenal job and so i i again this i just I don't know. I've already said this. It just made me upset for him. And then, you know, finally, he's... And there, I felt like there was a lot of... of, Not gender issues. That's not what I mean to say. I can't think of how to say it. But like... Like I said, this whole idea of a male can't raise the children. Or the dad can't be a good parent to a girl. They have to have a mom. Or even the girl goes to school, right? And she doesn't want to wear a skirt. She's not comfortable wearing a skirt. She just wants to wear pants, but it's a private school. And they're like, I'm sorry, in this school, the girls wear skirts. And she was like, but I don't want to. I feel like I've forgotten to put my pants on when I'm wearing a skirt. And they just keep pushing the issue and push. You signed a contract and said you would follow our rules and blah, blah, blah. And pushing the issue and pushing the issue... And then one day when the dad is finally like starting to get on with his life, the dad meets somebody and he, this is obviously the girl's older now, and he meets somebody and he decides to go spend the morning with her once he drops the daughter off. They, they take that moment and they're like, you have to wear this skirt, go change your clothes. And the girl comes out of the bathroom wearing this skirt and she goes out to the playground to do what she loves to do, which is climb on the monkey bars and of course, as she's climbing on the, you can't climb the monkey bars in a skirt, right? And as she's climbing the monkey bars, some boy looks up her skirt and he's like, oh, she's wearing boy underwear. And she winds up falling off of the, or jumping off of the, the, uh, the monkey bars and getting really hurt. And again, this, this, this pushing of, you know, just the gender norms, I guess, of the girl has to wear this skirt. I I can't, I used to babysit for kids who went to private schools and they all have like a sweatpants or a pants option for the girls. Like, you know, and I, so that bothered me. And just this fact that no one was supporting him. And granted, they kept trying to talk to him. And, hey, we want to talk to you about something. And he just kept leaving and leaving. But if the only thing they ever wanted to talk to him about was the fact that this little girl didn't want to wear a skirt, I would probably be, you know, driving away and leaving too. Um, and I thought he was doing a great job. And so then as the movie progresses, this happens. The girl gets hurt and, you know, he goes to pick her up at the hospital and they're like, we need to put a stitch in. And he's like, no, you people don't know what you're doing here because this is the hospital where his wife died. And they said, look, if you don't let us stitch her up, she's going to have this scar. So he reluctantly stays, but then he immediately breaks up with this girlfriend because he's feeling like, 
you know, his choice that morning is what wound up getting her hurt. But the truth is, it was the school that got her hurt because there would have been no problem if she was climbing the monkey bars wearing her pants. Mm. Um, so again, just this idea that this man, he's doing everything he can and he's getting pressure from everyone. Give us the girl. Let go of the girl. Take this job. You can't bring the baby to work. You got to do this. Like... It was just so much on him that I wasn't surprised when he was like, you know what, forget it. I have to break up with this girlfriend. I can't be with anybody. And then he's like, I think I have to give her up. Like, they goes to visit the the grandmother for her birthday, and she's like, just leave her here. And, and he does. And I was like, what? Did you really just leave her? Like, so I felt like it was very predictable like I knew what was going to happen and and Mark to spoil it for you you know he goes back he goes and gets her oh, thank because God. he's he's doing all Diego these told things. me like, that all the grandparents died at the end <laughs> <laughs> but like he's not finishing <laughs> exactly they they he always he and the little girl always played poker with their buddies but they played with cookies and you know they're playing poker with real money and he's like the guy these these grown men are like you know I, I'd really rather play with cookies like we used to and just Nothing quite seems right for him. And he goes to his boss and his boss gives him this promotion. And then he said, we're going to send you wherever they're going to send you. And the guy's like, okay. And he's going to take this promotion. But you can tell he's just not happy. He's just not happy without the girl. And so in the end, he goes to get her. But again, I, I thought it was such a beautiful movie. And I thought it was such a, a really nice tribute to dads particularly before Father's Day. Um, Such a nice tribute to dads. But I also thought it was a pretty scathing kind of social commentary on how society views dads and their role um, within the family, I guess. And both of you were dads. Like, I don't know. I'm a mom. So I'm the one who, you know, it would be the one that, in this movie, they would assume, you know, was the one who does everything with the kid. But, like, did you did you feel like that? Diego, like, you're pretty quiet about this one. Did you feel like that at all? Am I reading too much into it? I think you're reading too much into it. I didn't, okay. I didn't, I didn't get that feeling at all. Um, I, I think it was, for me, it was more, he was just nervous, I think. And I think when everyone's beating you down, thinking that you can't do it, I think it's just... I, I didn't. I, I didn't take it as that. I just took it as he was not confident in his ability. Okay. He was. He was nervous doing it by himself. Plus the trauma of just losing your wife just out of nowhere. Uh, I think he was just shook, more than okay. anything. That's that's how I just. I took it as he was shook, and he didn't know what to do as a, a new parent. I mean, I think we've all been there that first day when you bring the baby home and you're just like, holy holy crap like there's a little little human in my house that i am now responsible for right and i gotta make sure they're alive (laughs) so right right yes uh i i i I took it like that and that's it well and i I have had i'm sorry sorry no go that's it oh well i i have had the moment where i'm looking at my screaming child going what 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 (laughs) like so (laughs) that felt very real for me and i don't know if it was the people who actually wrote the screenplay, if it was a contrivance or if they had really been there, but I, the 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 little girl who wants to wear boys' clothes, hits mm-hmm. home for me. I you mm-hmm. know, I was all geared up to have a Disney princess 
and my kid like my daughter likes Wolverine and ninjas and (laughs) and she dresses accordingly and uh, we had the whole uh, skirt versus shorts thing at our private school but thankfully they did allow her to wear pants Mm -hmm. Um, but she was always annoyed that her younger brother gets to wear shorts and you know and try to explain to a little and right now our, our conversation that happens often is why does she have to wear a shirt when she goes swimming mm-hmm. and you know little kids pick up on these things and and how do you explain that to them in a way that seems understandable and fair you know so right. it's so I, yeah. I i liked seeing his them tell the tale through his eyes and and yeah. that actress by the way i love her i'm in love with that little girl Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was great. She was great. One of the funniest scenes to me, when you just said you've had that moment when the kid's crying and you're like, what? (laughs) When at one point the baby just had been crying for days and he just could not figure it out. And so he's there with his two buddies and they're just standing over the crib and they're, they're singing to the baby and they're doing these things. And then one of them is just like, you gotta be tough. And so he's just like, your daddy is tired. You need to go to sleep right now. And he's like talking to the baby as if the baby's going to be like, oh, oh, okay, yes, I'm so sorry. Like, I don't know, like that scene was was very funny. But again... And they're like, they're like that's abuse. Yeah, that's abuse. Right, right. But again, and maybe I am just being an overthinker, but that happens to moms too. And you don't often see that. Like you always see dads as the bumblers with kids in movies, right? Dads are always the one who don't quite know how to... I believe you're a bumbler, to, Amy, so... I'm... I was a bumbler with my first one. I had no idea what to do with her. When we brought her home from the hospital, I remember my father-in-law brought us dinner the night that we brought her home. And I just sat at the dining room table and I cried. And I just sat there and I cried because I had, I was so overwhelmed with this responsibility. I was like, what am I, I don't know what to do with her. Like, and I just sat there and my, my third kid when he was like, I don't even know how old, maybe like six months old, he had been a dream baby. And then six months old, every single night at like 10.30, he would start crying and he would cry for three hours. And my husband and I had to do like this weird bouncy V walk around the bedroom in order to like, like my thighs were like Arnold Schwarzenegger thighs because I was doing like these deep bends to get the baby from stop crying. And I was totally bumbling my way through that. Like I had no idea. But again, you don't see that in movies. You never see moms being, they're always like, oh, you silly man. This is what you do with the baby. You know, I don't know. I will say this. Um, it was very relatable. There, there are definitely relatable parts there, uh, between when the the girl with the baby, between then her being older and going to school. Um, so I, I definitely like that. The humor that it had in it was good. It was, it was a very balanced movie. I thought it was. Very, it was a really good movie. Very balanced. It had the emotional. It had the comedy. Uh, the the relatability. So I I give this one. Two thumbs up. Very well done. Just like you said, a perfect movie before Father's Day. Um, I, I very I very enjoyed my, Maybe one of my most enjoyable Kevin Hart movies, I think. It was different okay. for me. Mark, what thumbs up from you? I thought he delivered a, a, a an appropriately muted but still comedic performance. Uh, I loved it. I give it two pacifiers straight up. <laughs> 
And I was two thumbs up, too. I, I thought it was great. I really thought it was great. And I really, really liked the actress that played his girlfriend um, later on when he... Swan? Oh, Swan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who I thought it was a little weird that she happened to have the same name as his dead wife. But Yeah, I did um, feel like that was needed, but Yeah, I, it totally wasn't needed. That When he was like, what's your name? And she's like, oh, my name is Liz. And I was like, stop it. I know. Um, <laughs> but then I was grateful that she had a nickname, so we didn't have to call her Liz, but... All right, so two thumbs up all around uh, for fatherhood as well. Anybody have anything on the horizon that they're looking forward to watching? I, I do. I, I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Mark. Okay. Well, I will say this, uh, Annie. If you haven't watched Working Moms, it's a, a series on Netflix. Season five just dropped, I think, this last week. Um, it shows a lot of mom. It's it's comedic. It's an ensemble cast, uh, and it shows the moms that do their best and still fall short. Um, and okay. it's fun to watch. So working moms, okay. I'm watching the, the the new season of that. Then I'm channeling my inner twelve year old boy because I'm super excited about Resident Evil Infinite Darkness coming on July eighth. Okay. Uh, and then yep. um, this is a little further down the road, but Masters of the Universe Revelation, written by Kevin Smith of of Jay and Silent Bob fame. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. July 23rd. I'm there. Okay. All right. So mine, I there's a lot like later in July that I want to see, but the things that are coming up sooner, I want to see Sex Life. I want to see Good on Paper. Virgin River Season 3 is coming out. I'm so excited to see that. Um, Fear Street Part 1, 1994. I am all about yeah. that one. Um, and then Young Royals. I want to see that too. So I've got some stuff that I want to watch coming up. Yeah, I got, uh, I got Cat People. Definitely want to check that out. So I like cats. I definitely have Masters of the Universe. Definitely have Fear Street. I was looking at that. That's a, that's, that's a, that's a trilogy with the last one yes. coming out July 16th. So mm -hmm. it looks, it looks real neat. Uh, so I'm definitely interested in that. How I Became a Superhero comes out July 9th. And then America, the motion picture, looks like the most ridiculous thing ever. So I'm definitely <laughs> going to watch that. And that comes out June 30th. So I think that would be pretty cool. And that's, uh, I right. think you guys listed the other ones. So yeah, Resident Evil and all those other ones, I definitely would be on the lookout for. So. All right. right Sounds good. All right, folks, you know the deal as always. You know, come check out the Facebook page, the Instagram, the Twitter leave us a comment leave us a message shows if you think that uh we were completely wrong about katla i doubt it but just let us know anyway <laughs> fight me fight me <laughs> but definitely let us know and you know we appreciate the listens the downloads as always the sharing don't forget to share yeah, yeah share definitely share and uh if anything we will catch you on the next episode bye everyone happy father's day yes happy father's day Woo. <laughs> just a disclaimer here no members of the boomtron podcast are employed by netflix nor do they have any business ties with the netflix corporation this podcast for entertainment purposes only and all netflix news and information that is shared is simply what these three yahoos found online <laughs>